0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Expiration Date. Before we get on to our episode that we recorded a couple of weeks ago about the FBI, that's our in-between episode that we'll introduce in a minute, I wanted to just talk to you for a little bit um, about this episode, because honestly, I'm conflicted about it. I put a lot of work into this episode. I did a lot of research. I read several books, read a bunch of different perspectives on the FBI, and I put some takes in here that I am not super comfortable with. So I want you as a listener, I've listened to this episode probably five times, just kind of trying to figure out how I feel about what I said. And I want you to do something for me. If you are a member of a marginalized community, and I mean that in the American sense, if you're a member of one of the marginalized communities that we discuss in this episode, and I say something that is off to you or that you hear and you think, I don't like that. I don't like the way she said that. I think her take is wrong. I would love for you to tell me, to reach out to me, because I say some things in here that I've not heard elsewhere, because I'm kind of trying to parse out where our show feels about this issue, because it's complex, it's complicated, it's dense, and it's been going on for decades. And so I am completely comfortable being wrong about some of this stuff. If you're a member of a marginalized community and you hear something that is off to you, or you wish I would said something differently, please reach out to us and let me know. And I would love to say it on the podcast if you're comfortable with that. Um, I don't have to say your name. I don't have to say your exact words. We can go back and forth on that. Second thing is I want to put a trigger warning on this episode. We talk about mistreatment of the LGBTQIA community. And we talk about mistreatment of black and brown and indigenous peoples. And we talk about law enforcement surveilling and hurting people with the power of the state behind them. And so if any of that makes you uncomfortable, um, like I said, this episode is kind of an in between between our two seasons. And if you want to hold off and wait until we get into the military industrial complex this season, skipping this episode will not detract from that too much if it's going to make you uncomfortable. Thanks, friends. So today is not a regular episode, right, David?
1: Right. Would you call it a bonus episode?
0: I'll call it a bonus or just maybe a bridge episode between season one and season two. Today we're going to talk brief, very, very briefly and very, very surface level about the history of the FBI, how it was founded, what it was founded to do, and what it has done. And we're going to kind of go through that chronologically, and we're going to spend a lot of time in the past, and everybody says, well, I want to know what's going on right now, and um, we'll get to why we're focusing so much on the past later, but it's important to do.
1: Welcome to Expiration Date. I'm David.
0: I'm Michelle. We're happy to have you. So the FBI defines itself as a domestic intelligence and security service of the United States and its principal federal law enforcement agency. Like the CIA, it is a member of the intelligence community, but unlike the CIA, it is focused mainly on domestic issues. Its main priority is to protect America from terrorists. The FBI has an annual budget of around $9 billion per year. So it's a big organization, and it has the backing of the attorney general's office. Um, That's how it started, and we're going to get into that in a minute. But it's a very powerful organization, and it is the law enforcement of the federal government. So we're going to go back to the early 1900s um, and brush up on a little history. Um, McKinley is assassinated and Teddy Roosevelt takes office, though more progressive than his predecessor. Teddy Roosevelt is big on law and order, um, and he is very nervous about the rise of organized crime and corruption. And as World War One looms, the fear of leftists and progressive organizations are lumped together with these other fears. So Teddy Roosevelt has an old friend, Charles Bonaparte. Yes, he is related to Napoleon. He's his grandnephew that he appoints as his attorney general. The new attorney general advocates for the need of a federal force that has the backing of the attorney general's office. After some infighting with Congress, borrowing agents from the Secret Service, and some other complicated things that we're not going to get into, in 1908, he starts his own yet unnamed agency of some 30-odd agents that will act as a Secret Service and federal police force. The next attorney general, named it the Bureau of Investigation in 1909, it mainly dealt with labor and civil rights cases and white collar crime. For now, we're going to skip over what the FBI did in South and Central America during the World Wars. While the world was watching Europe, there was a lot of activity in Central and South America that had to do with the CIA and the FBI. And we're going to skip over that for now. We're going to touch on that in a later episode. So right now we're going to focus on what this organization did domestically. During the full-blown Red Scare after World War I, America saw what this organization could really become. Attorney General Mitchell Palmer put young Justice Bureau lawyer J. Edgar Hoover as the head of his program to round up leftists, communists, unionists, and other left-wing organizations. This led to the Bureau's first big scandal as thousands of people were illegally targeted, surveilled, and terrorized by the organization. This scandal is what's known as the Palmer Raids, and it really kind of defines the beginning of the organization's interaction with the public at large. Hmm. And I really, the one thing I want you to pick up on right here is that in the beginning, it was specifically stated the Bureau of Investigation was specifically designed to undermine left-wing organizations.
1: It's That's written down? Yes. Oh, wow. They were
0: very explicit and very clear about that.
1: Doesn't seem very... Egalitarian. Yeah. And
0: if you want to go, I mean, and this, I, I mean, I pulled this from Wikipedia and the FBI's website. Oh, wow. So if you want to go read the FBI's mission statement about how the Bureau of Investigation started, it ages about like milk. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. They talk about how they're there to prevent anything happening to the ruling class, to keep power out of the hands of the common man. It's pretty explicit.
1: And this has evolved over time, right? To what it is today.
0: Well, yes, but just to be clear, it did start out that way, and it has consistently been that way from the beginning for Mm. the last century. Well, over a century, I guess. This led to the Bureau's first big scandal as thousands of people were illegally targeted and surveilled by the organization. This is what is known as the Palmer Raids. During its first few years, the Bureau went through several directors— But it was in 1924 that J. Edgar Hoover was appointed as the director of the BOI, and that's where things really start to take off. Hoover was the director through early prohibition and organized crime years. In 1935, the agency became an independent organization within the Justice Department and was renamed the Federal Bureau of Investigation. J. Edgar Hoover still holds the record for the longest-serving director of the FBI. He served from 1924... Until his death in 1972, he served as director for eight days shy of 48 years, putting him as the founding father, and really in his own category for influence on the department. The next closest is Robert Mueller with 12 years, and no other directors break 10 years.
1: Wasn't he president?
0: Mueller Hoover Ho- Hoover. No, sorry, it's super. I should have I should have clarified that. That's very confusing. J. Edgar Hoover was the director of the FBI, and Herbert Hoover was a president and they were simultaneous so a lot of people think they're related but they're not related I now the roosevelts never realized that they're not related it's weird the roosevelts are related okay and like the bushes obviously are related but the hoovers were not related
1: so there was a hoover in the presidency and j edgar hoover ran the fbi for just shy of 40 years yes
0: and hoover was president while j edgar hoover was director of the fbi right so it led to a lot of confusion
1: i wonder if there was any like power Dynamics that kind of bled into each other between the FBI and then the presidency.
0: It did. There are a lot of rumors that Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover, had dirt on pretty much everybody from every politician to every person in Hollywood and made him one of the most powerful men in the world for about four decades. So oh, that's was interesting. Yeah. And he was not a good dude. I'm
1: willing to bet there are probably some... Vestiges of that left in in the Washington I, right now. I
0: don't think that anything changed yeah. significantly. I think it got worse. He started under Coolidge, then Hoover, then FDR, then Truman, then Eisenhower, then Kennedy, then Johnson, and he died during the Nixon administration.
1: Now, the president can change the director of the FBI if they want to. Yes. Is there any indication of why they kept him for so many years?
0: Yes. Um, So there were rumors that several presidents tried to fire him and were unable to because of either information or he was politically very popular and name recognition was high. Right. Um, And he was, he made sure that um, one of the things he did early on was he made sure that he himself had an excellent relationship with the media and with local police departments. And so he was incredibly powerful.
1: I don't think we realize, or maybe we do, and it's just not me, that we realize how political some of these positions are, too. It's more than just running an agency that investigates stuff, but there's that whole political dynamic that you have to navigate, too, just so that you can do the job, Mm -hmm. to say.
0: And it's weird, because the the directors of the FBI seem to be a mixture of either lawyers or federal agents who've worked their way up, Mm -hmm. and there seems to be kind of a, I mean, I don't know anything, obviously, about the inner dynamics of the FBI and how it Plays out, but it seems it leads to power struggles based on like where you came from yeah. within the FBI. Right, well, it's interesting.
1: I, I think if you're looking at management in the FBI, being lawyers, those who study and know the law, and the people who work their way up through experience, that that's not surprising, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and
0: it's because it's under the Attorney General's office, which is lawyers, yeah. but then federal agents work their way up. It's it's interesting. It's yeah. It's a. It's I guess a you cool. want a
1: little bit of both, though. You want some expertise on all those sides. Yeah,
0: it was. It can it can lead to some. Some things. Keep going. Hoover is remembered for his remarkable willingness to abuse his power. He used his position to target activists and performed a myriad of illegal activities from surveillance to violence against anyone that he deemed a threat. This included a deep fear of the radical leftist movements, especially if the leaders of those movements were black or indigenous people. Hoover also made sure that the FBI formed lasting relationships with local police departments throughout the country. As we discussed in season one, as the prison industrial complex exploded after World War II, the same thing happened to the FBI. A lot of people like to romanticize the early relationship between the FBI and organized crime, but you really cannot do that. Hoover denied the existence of organized crime as a problem throughout the 30s and 40s, despite overwhelming evidence that it was an issue. And we'll bring this up again in the rumors section when we talk about rumors about Hoover. But his sporadic and publicized arrest of famous bank robbers was largely a publicity stunt that left major crime lords free to do as they pleased. It wasn't until 1957 that he began to take organized crime seriously. And it is an undisputed fact that his main concerns were the progressives, racial minorities, and the gay community. This led to the illegal surveillance and interference by the FBI into tens of thousands of people deemed as subversive. There are some wild stories that we don't have time to get into as far as the FBI having clashes with rock stars and activists. But if you want to talk more about that, reach out to me. I think
1: it's an interesting comment on how culture has changed over the years too. So especially by people in power. So the people at power at the time identified minorities, homosexuals and other stuff Mm -hmm. as threats to security Mm -hmm. right i think was their understanding of that but as we change as culture grows and things become a little bit more acceptable in that way that that's no longer seen as that too i think what what you're putting out or what you're getting to is the fact that it's it it doesn't seem to be something created to protect everyone it just seemed to kind of like perpetuate this control of power of a certain group yes yeah
0: yeah the formation at least the way that I'm reading it, and somebody who's an expert maybe may come to a different conclusion, but to me, this is an entirely reactionary organization. This was a reaction to labor organizers. It was a reaction to civil rights organizers that were trying to come out of the like severe reformation, antebellum South, the severe rules of Jim Crow and the antebellum South. And I think that to look at it any other way is a mistake hmm. and naive. I hmm. think it's naive to think, Cause even so, like you see all these movies that are about like the FBI combating prohibitionists and organized crime. And like, that's just ahistorical. historical, it didn't happen.
1: Mm-hmm. And you like mean Kevin Costner didn't really arrest Al Capone. <laughs> are you well, telling me this?
0: I think he did, but it was much later. I'm not sure that it was actually Kevin Costner, but it might've been. Uh, um, I don't, I'm not sure on that, but in he, my
1: mind, it's always you, Kevin. It's always you.
0: <laughs> but Hoover himself did openly and vehemently deny that organized crime was a real problem until the fifties. Hmm. And there's we'll get when we'll get into more of that during the rumors section as to why he might have done that, um, right. but he had his reasons.
1: And I would say politically reactionary policies and procedures are nothing new. It's just it's, it's something that needs to be reexamined at different stages to make sure that it's still keeping up that intended purpose as you said like it was founded for this reason to keep the ruling class in there and I think we as the majority now need to go I don't know maybe we should change this a little bit yeah
0: and there there were some good things about the FBI initially and still today they you know they do a lot of work with human trafficking where they try you know, and stop it to some extent. Um, as a lot of people know, people got obsessed with that podcast about the Larry Nasser case mm-hmm. um, that NPR did, what I, which I listened to and thought that it was good. But in the nine episodes that they cover, they make no mention of the fact that like hundreds of girls testified to the FBI before he was arrested. And the FBI basically covered it up right. and said it was going to be bad for the image of the united states gymnastics team for him to get arrested and he continued to abuse girls after that and so it's like
1: there's some harm there you know some moral incongruence yeah
0: and so even if they do happen to stop some human trafficking i would be hesitant to attribute a moral compass to the fbi Hmm. and you might get some agents like like we talked about with cops like there might be some individuals that have a moral compass but that would be hard to maintain in what this is supposed to do. I
1: don't think we need to be careful about confusing individual moral compasses with that of a, as you would call it, a complex or a, you know, machine, mm-hmm. an industry uh, organization. Exactly.
0: Right? So. Yeah. You do have to be careful with that. The surveillance increased to illegal wiretapping during World War II that caused a nationwide scandal after the war. Hoover had planned to launch the FBI into a global powerhouse, moving into Latin America and growing its influence domestically. This was slightly dampered by the Truman administration, but we'll get more into that in a different episode. And now I'm going to introduce you to a new word, the word COINTELPRO, which is an abbreviation for counterintelligence programming. This program ran from 1956 to 1971 and was directly overseen by Hoover himself. And a lot of people were like, well, what does COINTELPRO mean? It means that the FBI gave themselves license to secretly subvert certain political groups and they would do anything and everything to neutralize leaders that they saw as subversive or dangerous.
1: Anything and everything.
0: Anything and everything. Whether that was killing them, planting evidence on them to get them arrested for false crimes, whether that was um, releasing something to the press that could be seen as shaming to them, anything to neutralize them. And this, again, this is explicit and written out. I have the memos linked from the FBI website. You can just go through and read all this stuff. And the vast majority of the groups that they targeted were indigenous people groups, people of color, leftist and progressive groups, especially if those groups tried to help marginalize communities. There were some initially white nationalist groups that came after the programs of inception that was 100% targeted at progressive movements. About five or six years later, they did start to target some right-wing nationalist groups um, and white nationalist groups. But it was, to me, it seems a small percentage of the resources that they poured into disrupting left-wing movements.
1: Well, even today, we're seeing some hesitancy to put White nationalist groups on some sort of terrorist watch. Exactly. And I would imagine that in some form or fashion, that's mixed up together too. So, which also sheds light on the fact that those in power want to keep power, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah.
0: Well, and they had no problem demonizing groups like the Black Panther Party, whereas really the only white nationalist groups they went to, they went after were outright Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan mm-hmm. was basically it. And so it was skewed heavily to disrupt left-wing organizations. And oftentimes, they would infiltrate right-wing groups, overtake them, arm them, and use those right-wing groups to directly attack leftist political movements. And so I want you to keep that in mind for later.
1: Can you give us an example of that?
0: Yes, I can. In some cases, the FBI would start right-wing organizations, um, such as COINTELPRO Black Hate, which focused on Um, Dr. King and his movements. But there, I mean, there's several examples of them specifically infiltrating right wing groups and arming them and then using them to attack leftist political organizations or in some cases starting right wing political Mm -hmm. groups that would just be full of federal agents. And one thing we've discussed on the podcast before is, um, and we'll talk about more later, is if you look at the kidnapping of Governor Whitmer. Most of that was planned mm-hmm. by FBI agents. The militia that they targeted, they targeted for a very specific reason, because it was full of very ignorant, very malleable and mentally unstable young white men.
1: Do you think that that group was posing a threat outside of that botch? cap? Um,
0: the- yes, just because of their ideology was deeply evil and flawed. Do I think... That it's a good idea that the federal government manufactured this attack, allegedly, and used these men to do a performative arrest of a militia group. Um, I think you're kidding yourself if you think those guys in Wisconsin were the most dangerous people in America. Um, though they are dangerous to their communities and I'm not saying they shouldn't be monitored by the government for the things that they were saying because they're violent men. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be comfortable saying that. I think they pose as significant of a threat. I feel like it's what you said earlier. It's like in America, if we can target a few nasty looking individuals that we can get to demonize an entire group,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, we can really feel like they're doing something. And I feel like maybe we're watching the bank robbers get arrested Or listening to the bank robbers get arrested on the radio, thinking that the FBI is doing something. Meanwhile, gigantic organizations that are white supremacist organizations like the prison industrial complex is allowed to do whatever it wants to do with no repercussions. Am I saying that those guys should be free? And no, I mean, but I feel like having that political theater takes a lot of pressure off the FBI to actually do something to protect marginalized communities.
1: Hmm. It also sounds a lot like entrapment as well, right? Yeah. Manu- as you said, you manufacture something for which you can eventually go to yeah. jail for.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm linking an article on here that's talking about that the defense of most of the guys that have been arrested are using just that. That the yeah. FBI planned this. They provided the weapons. They provided the transportation. And then when they were on the way there, they just arrested all the guys. And it was so I think 12 members of the group have been arrested And there were 13 FBI agents working in that group. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, if you've got more FBI agents than you have people that you're arresting, like really what was that group? And so, and again, I'm not saying that those group of men were not dangerous because I'm sure that they were and I don't want them like babysitting my child or being around a marginalized community that they could hurt, but just beware of what they're trying to get you to focus on.
1: That's so interesting, right? Because... I mean, this group, this militia group, had bad intentions overall. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, as you said, they were not great people who had com- some, some mean intentions. But yet, I don't know. Like, how do you, how do you get them without get without making something, without creating something that would get them in trouble? Mm-hmm. And you know, we all know these situations are happening. Look at season one and all the policing stuff that we talked Mm -hmm. about the broken glass broken windows policing Mm -hmm. that's an example of that too Mm -hmm. right and so is it right I mean I don't know I guess people can justify well if they do this and then they're preventing the chance of maybe them doing something that we couldn't control or that it couldn't happen right and so if they have this opportunity that they can go out and hurt kill some other person but yet they get them into doing that it prevents that from happening but is that right to those people and I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we just don't believe people outside of our own families ourselves and our tribe have worth and that in and of itself is a problem
0: yeah and I think too that one thing we don't realize is that the corporate media that like CNN NBC MSNBC and Fox News um, have very close ties with the FBI which was which was originated by Hoover himself he made sure that he had very close ties with the media and that continues to to today and so if you're bombarded with stories about the fbi arresting white nationalists um when aoc gets on the tv and says you know what we really need to take white nationalist groups seriously you say well look we're we're arresting these guys and she's like well that's like the tip of the iceberg Mm -hmm. and you're like well you're just not you know you can dismiss that and when you see the fbi targeting citizen groups it obscures the fact that they let the prison industrial complex lock up more black men than they did during the height of apartheid South Africa. And that's a state sanctioned activity and continues to execute innocent black men. And so it's like, yeah, they arrested the guys on the way to kidnap governor Whitmer, but that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. You need to do more. And they're just so, so obsessed with their image and started by Hoover himself, who was obsessed with his image I just want people to understand that that tracks throughout the entire history of the organization, that they're very worried about image and it's very important to them and they will manufacture situations to solidify that.
1: Yeah. And I wonder if that's because of the fissures of doubt, if you can put doubt into one thing, which, and I think this isn't kind of an important, important theme of what you're talking about here is that, you know, it's not always what you see. So if you, If this is not right here, where is it not right in other areas? Mm -hmm. And if they can combat those fissures of doubt, then they can write their story and take what they need.
0: Nuance is good, but remember to have it for other types of propaganda than just the ones that you're used to. It is widely accepted that using COINTELPRO, the FBI played a major role in the assassinations of many political leaders. I can send you links to the documents and you can scroll through them. They would plant evidence, charge people with false crimes, infiltrate groups, and take over, then use those groups to attack other groups. COINTELPRO was responsible for the degradation and neutralization of so many leaders the vast majority being on the left. It did use the program to infiltrate a small number of right-wing organizations, but this is tainted by their willingness to use the right-wing groups to provoke and carry out acts of violence directly targeting the left. More insidiously, this program worked to maintain poor conditions for poor working-class people and people of color. For example, Fred Hampton had a food program that was wildly successful at feeding black children free breakfasts. And as they were working to get free health care for these children, the FBI dismantled and later played a major role in the assassination of Fred Hampton himself. This is not a conspiracy theory. It is well documented. Okay, and now we're going to get into some rumors about J. Edgar Hoover. And by rumors, I mean... Things that were not believed at the time, but have later come out that are likely true, um, but cannot be proven 100%. As we enter this section, I want you to hold off on forming any conclusions about the rumors about this man, because we're going to talk about a little bit of nuance that we really need to hold on to with this stuff. So some of the original rumors are about why the Bureau of Investigation ignored organized crime early on, is twofold. There is some evidence that they may have had some dirt on Hoover himself, maybe some information, maybe some pictures, we don't really know, and that Hoover uh, really liked to gamble and he had pretty significant gambling debts that he was trying to work out. Who knows? It seems to fit because he was really worried and impassioned about, about, about organized crime, but seemed to totally ignore the evidence that it was a problem. There were significant rumors that he had dirt on so many powerful people, everybody from Everybody in Washington to everybody in Hollywood, that he was without a doubt one of the most powerful people in the country for several decades.
1: I think even just the threat that you may have dirt on them could be just yeah. as much as having dirt on them.
0: Yeah. And we st- and you can see a lot of that, like just in things that he would publish to the press, like after somebody was assassinated or after somebody was targeted, just, just blatantly homophobic and racist stuff that, I mean, it's published days, in. Yeah. It? Well, I mean, you'd have to put it under a dog whistle these days. Mm-hmm. You couldn't outright say it um, like they could then, but. Okay, and so this is the part where we need to have, just bear with me. There are significant rumors that Hoover himself was actually biracial and lived as a white man. Um, This is fairly established, and you can look through the genealogy records. A lot of people, and I can send you content on creators who, um, or people who, We'll talk about this and go through the controversies on this, but it's pretty well documented that he might have been a biracial man living as a white man. And there are also many sources that he had an alleged relationship with his male secretary. We're going to talk more about his race and sexuality later. A lot of criticism we've gotten is that I don't say any good things. Uh, One good thing about Hoover is he did oppose the internment of the Japanese citizens during World War II. And I'm telling you that mainly to give you a timeline about how long this man was in power because he didn't die until the Nixon administration. so. But don't get too comfortable with him not imprisoning people during the Korean War. He wanted to suspend habeas corpus and arrest 12,000 citizens he deemed disloyal to the to the war. <laughs> and thankfully, Truman turned him down. We have talked a lot about what Hoover's FBI did. Let's talk about what they did not do. Over and over and over again, the FBI refused to go after white terrorists that targeted indigenous people and African Americans. The recordings of his arguments are pretty damning for him. He often refused to investigate obvious lynchings like Emmett Till and would publicly clash with civil rights leaders on these issues. It was obvious to me that his deep-seated racism, his deep-seated homophobia, and his deep-seated fear of progressive organizations really set the tone for his legacy. Any good that came of his bureau is marred by his hyper focus on targeting the marginalized and those working to help marginalized communities. This is the central theme of the FBI. My own takeaway, as I have researched Hoover, is that much of the research falls into the obsession with his race and sexuality at the detriment of recognizing his, whether internalized or externalized racism, homophobia, and targeting of marginalized communities what I'm trying to say is if he was biracial and if he was homosexual, I see this a lot with when right wing politicians get ousted for having a relationship with a man and they're like a family values guy. I'm like, oh, it's always those me thinks he doth protest too much, or it's a creative way of putting the onus back on people of color and the LGBTQIA community. So, If we say Hoover was gay or if we say Hoover was biracial, which he very well may have been, I feel like you should really focus on what he did for those communities and what he did not do for those communities. He targeted those people. He hurt those people. And if he identified as those communities, I don't want it to be an excuse for you just to blame gay people and black people for their problems. Does that make sense? No. Okay. Um. (laughs) I mean... Cause I feel, I feel like a lot of times whenever somebody is so like crazy homophobic, like that Texas preacher that's talking about how we should like shoot gay people or whatever he's saying. Have you seen this on, it got real big on TikTok for a while, but this
1: is another iteration of Westboro Baptist church.
0: Yes. Yes. Westboro Baptist church is a perfect example. So what I hear a lot of people say is, you know what? I bet they're closeted gay people. And that's why they're so vehemently homophobic. And I I get what you're saying, because that does happen sometimes. But to me, it makes me very nervous to, yet again, blame the gay community for homophobia. Hmm. Does that make sense? Because even though they don't identify as being in the gay community, it's another way of saying, well, there's got to be something going on here other than they're just a straight white person.
1: That's some subtle nuance that you're talking right there. Because I don't think a lot of people realize that when they they say that. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. So when they say that kind of, well, he must be secretly homosexual Mm -hmm. what they're really doing is shifting the focus of the damage and harm to the homosexual community which had nothing to do with this individual person's own thing that he's walking he or she is walking through
0: yeah and i don't want to pretend that i came up with this on my own i think i literally said that to someone said like well they're probably in closeted homosexual i'm setting and then i think i think and i i meant it as an insult to that person not insulting the gay community but saying like me thinks he doth protest too much you know i Mm think i think he's oh i think they're overcompensating for something and say it as a joke and i think the person said so like and they they were i think gently trying to be like hey you're going down a wrong path and they were like i can't remember how they worded it it was like oh so it's still the gay's fault or it's still you know i mean it just was yeah it was an offhand comment that they made which made me go like look for that
1: it's a it's an example of us othering people right instead of holding someone accountable for their own actions and beliefs and everything you assign them a group or something and then you other them. Yes. And put them on the outside. And that's yeah. something we need to be careful of in any interaction. So that's a, well, that's a good and point it, to put.
0: It's the reverse side too of, and I may regret saying this because I've not thought about it at all. It's kind of the reverse of the identity politics. Whereas somebody like Candace Owen, who is African-American and conservative and just a shill for empire can do so much damage by giving white people an excuse to continue their hatred of black people. yeah, And so, you know what? I'm not going to get into that. If you want to know more about Candace Owens, I can send you black creators that talk about her, but because that's not really my place. But anyway, I have seen this in the political discourse, mainly when right-wing family values politicians are outed as having a secret homosexual relationship. It is used to further demonize the community and place blame on closeted people. So was Hoover gay? I have no idea. Maybe. Was he working to subvert and hurt gay rights leaders? Absolutely. Let's focus on what we know. Hoover was a deeply problematic man that let his bias dictate his harmful and destructive tenure as one of the most powerful men in the country. Is this a satisfying conclusion? Probably not. I want to leave Hoover and his legacy with the words that he wrote to Dr. Martin Luther King, encouraging Dr. King to commit suicide. There is only one way out for you. You had better take it before your filthy, abnormal, fraudulent self is bared to the nation. And I think that we should think about that and maybe remember that shame can do strange things to the human heart. Since Hoover, the FBI has gotten much bigger and much more powerful. The directors of the FBI are 100% wealthy white men. And just to give you more of a timeline about where we are, Robert Mueller, which is another pretty recognizable FBI director name, was appointed director of the FBI the week before September 11th, 2001. Uh, He was the sixth director of the FBI. And so that's just to kind of give you a timeline of where we are, because I think one thing that organizations like the FBI and the Border Patrol and all that kind of stuff is try to convince you that they are a founding principle of our nation when they're really relatively new as far as history goes.
1: Yeah. And keeping in consideration, the United States is only less than 300 years. Old, yeah, so. exactly.
0: And he was only the sixth director of the FBI. He testified before Congress as a staunch advocate, and I believe remains so today, of the Patriot Act. Uh, the Patriot Act, we're not going to get into it, but it's essentially carte blanche for the intelligence community to do what they want. A few takeaways to remember, the FBI was explicitly founded to combat leftist political organization Its attention to right-wing extremists seems to me to be perfunctory and performative. For example, the kidnapping of governor of Michigan, I've linked the article that we kind of talked about earlier. And as we discussed in season one, when the FBI comes up with terror plots where there's no actual member of a terrorist organization involved at all, it is to maintain fear and increase their power and their budget. Okay, we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the hero worship of federal agents in the media. We kind of talked about this earlier, and I'm not specifically talking about just the news. I'm also talking about television shows that glorify the FBI, movies, television shows. Since Hoover, it was intended by by Hoover, where he worked to make sure that the FBI had a great relationship with the media and that they were always portrayed in a favorable light. So when journalists or actors or directors would do something that was derogatory towards the FBI, he made sure they retaliated. In many cases, the FBI is directly involved in funding the portrayal of their organization, and that continues today. Hoover went so far as to explicitly state that he wanted to hire tall, handsome, white Christian men as agents so that the Bureau would be more marketable. He wanted them to be free of physical defects. If we heard about this in any other country, we would recognize it for what it is, propaganda to ensure the conservation of white supremacy, the patriarchy, and the ruling class. As far as what the FBI is doing now, aside from organizing media coverage and terror plots and ensuring that they have unbelievable access to the citizens of this country, do you really think any of this stopped? Do you really think the organization has changed that much? They still often refuse to get involved in clear cases of local corruption that have resulted in violence against marginalized communities. For example, Marquise Martin, Line 3 Violence, The Attempted Lynching of Vo Booker, The Countless Deaths of Unarmed People at the Hands of Local Police Departments, again, you can't always focus on what they're doing, you also have to focus on what they're not doing, and their inaction speaks volumes. Oh yeah, and as we have stated before as the official position of the podcast, if you're in a political activist group and a cool person with guns, a van, and a plan shows up, that person is a fed, do not let them convince you to harm anyone. They will sh- use you, then shove you in a dark hole. They're a fed. <laughs> it's always a fed.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening today. If you get a minute, we ask that you rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. It'll help us reach more people. If you like what we're doing and want to help with the research and investigation process, check out and join our Patreon page. For as little as $5 a month, you can join others and get raw recordings behind the a- episode notes and special releases not available to the public you can find us at patreon.com expiration date you can email us at expiration date the podcast at gmail.com and follow us on twitter at, at expiration date podcast our theme music is arrival of geese by chad crouch graphic design by whatever media this episode was written by michelle swope edited and produced by david mccormick Subscribe to the podcast to be notified when season two starts and the episodes are released. Thanks.
0: Thanks, everybody. And as always, I have the sources linked in the show notes. If you have an issue with anything or want to talk about anything, just reach out to us. Puh-puh. Yes? I would love for you to tell me what you know about the FBI. All I know is I say, FBI, open up! FBI. Where'd you learn that? Uh, my dad. Your dad? Mm -hmm. Did you see it on TV? No. What do you think an FBI agent looks like? Um, a detective? (gasps) A detective. Do you know any detectives? Uh... Uh, no. No. Except for Sherlock Holmes, I don't really know that guy. That is amazing. That is a beautiful thing that you just said that, that that is the only detective that you know, and I think that you should stay that wonderful and pure. It's a beautiful thing. So what do you want? Do you want to say anything to the podcast? I just want you to know that I rule. (laughs) You do. You are amazing. I do rule. Oh, you just said their name.
1: It's okay. We'll edit the names out. We have a good. Oh, sensor. sorry. I we mean, a good sensor.
0: Chi- child one of David and Elizabeth. Now, child two of David and Elizabeth. Me. What do you know about the FBI? Um, I know that FBI is a a pol- like it's it's a kind of police. Beautiful. And uh, I know that my friend. Uh, she likes to like go to different people's door. Well she doesn't like go but she just tells me FBI open up. She goes to the door and says, FBI open up. Well, not really, but sometimes like she like says it like when I'm playing with her. Yeah. So she your friend knows that the FBI can go into anybody's private housing without permission. They just uh, need to go in. Yeah, yeah. I think so. That's yeah, that's see the Patriot Act. that's that is a beautiful thing and uniquely American. So yeah, because like if they if it they like do pretty severe stuff, I think. So they do. Great job. So you two know so much. You might not even need to listen to the rest of the episode.